Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. Just uh, this unincorporated Santa Barbara, if you're wondering what that is. We are uh, out of the crosshairs of the fires going on out here in California. Although I have to tell you, the even the sky is starting to get a little orange here. Uh, what a strange, strange thing, I got to tell you. Growing up in Minnesota, this was not something uh, we uh, ever thought about. It was fires and all this stuff. But uh, it is what it is. At least, uh, at least it's nice... Uh, and warm usually, and sunny. Well, listen, uh, with regard to this show today, before we get started, I want to remind you that there is a website called wealthformula.com. Wealthformula.com is the home of this podcast. It's where it sits. You could play it from there if you want. But bigger issue for you is that you should go there and make sure that you take advantage of all the potential resources that that website provides you with. Free books, lots of free stuff, free presentations, asset protection, uh, free books from me and from George Newberry, um, all sorts of stuff. And it's also where you go if you want to sign up for uh, our investor club, our accredited investor club, which I highly encourage you to do if you are a of course, if you're an accredited investor, by the way, those uh, those definitions have changed a little bit uh, recently. The numbers are the same, but I think um, I can't remember exactly offhand. You should look it up, though, if you are if you do have some financial uh, designations behind your name. Basically, uh, that counts you as being accredited uh, as well now. Uh, regardless of what your your financial situation is. So uh, look that up. Maybe we'll talk about that more some other time, but I don't have it handy on me right now. Today, I would like to talk a little bit about the, um, you know, the psychology of this whole pandemic thing right now. Uh, you know, when you think about it, uh, you know, people are social animals. Uh, we're designed to be out there and mingling and with each other and hanging out. We aren't designed to be wearing masks, you know, not touching each other, quarantining. Uh, yet for the last six months, that's really been our predicament. And at the same time, during this period of, you know, isolation from one another against our nature, we are, uh, we live in a society, of course, that gives us the opportunity to socialize in other ways vis-a-vis uh, social media, 
uh, which uh, has you know has proven uh, in the literature, in the medical literature, in the psychiatric literature, to increase the likelihood of you know loneliness and depression and all that. But it's all we got, right? And then we've increased our collective screen times uh, and subsequent exposure to toxic blue light. I mean, if you've not seen, you know, some of the effects of blue light, I would suggest you look those up as well. I was, remember watching a documentary on blue light. It's kind of freaky, you know, talking about even anything from depression to cancer, et cetera. Anyway, right now with the screens and all that, we've, uh, we're exposed to these blue lights, you know, all hours of the night. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's really, I think, going to uh, take a toll. It's taking a toll on us already, but it's going to continue to uh, have fallout for, for, for years to come. The whole scenario, honestly, is a perfect setup for individuals already susceptible to depression uh, or other mental health issues. And, you know, the reality is in this cohort of ours, our listeners, this is actually going to be something that comes up quite often because what you find is in high performers and high paid professionals and highly educated individuals, you know, having some level of depression or other mental health, um, um, you know, infirmities is actually quite common. It's probably what, you know, makes, you know, probably is in part what drives us and makes us great at what we do. But, it's really a perfect scenario for uh, people who've already got something underlying to really, you know, get hurt more. And in fact, people who've never even experienced psychological issues now uh, are experiencing it for the first time because of the true, you know, inorganic nature of our current uh, lifestyles. Divorces, domestic violence, suicide rates, They've all dramatically increased across the country, and I'm sure the globe. Yet, you know, this kind of fallout from COVID-19 is not really that appreciated, I feel like. You know, you don't really hear about it as much as you hear about the COVID numbers, the COVID deaths, and the positive tests and stuff. And and in reality, it's probably affecting quite a bit more people than the actual uh, viral infection itself. Um, but you know, I mean, it's just not been appreciated, uh, adequately in the media. It's not been recognized, uh, more importantly as uh, consideration in the big picture of pandemic era policy, which I think is, you know, incredibly important. The non-medical, non-economic consequences of the pandemic, uh, era are real. They've got a huge negative impact on many of our lives some people, you have actually have reported some very positive uh, stuff, too, which we can, we'll get into in this interview as well. But to hear about what's going out in this part of human existence, uh, to, especially if you're one of those people who I'm describing right now who feels like, man, you know, I'm feeling kind of blue and, you know, people I know are feeling kind of blue. You know, what's going on there? What's on people's mind? What are people doing? You're definitely going to want to listen to this uh, show today with my uh, friend, uh, Joel Wade, who is a therapist and he's also a personal coach that actually a number of Wealth Formula uh, listeners have reached out to and you may uh, consider doing so yourself after this uh, interview. Anyway, when we come back, an interview with Joel Wade. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? 
The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast, well, he's been on recently, uh, although it seems like a million years ago. His name is Joel Way. Joel is a PhD. He's a therapist and life coach who has really uh, specialized in in this concept of happiness. And if you go back to some of our pre-COVID uh, podcasts, you'll see, uh, see that. In fact, he is the author of um, uh, The Virtue of Happiness and Mastering Happiness and creator of an in-depth online course called uh, A Master's Course in Happiness. Uh, he's also a world-class athlete, having won multiple national and world championships in water polo and the unofficial therapist of the Wealth Formula podcast. Joel, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thanks, Buck. Good to be here. So, you know, I never did ask you about that. What, so tell me about the uh, the water polo. Did you uh, did you end up like in the national, they were like the Olympics and stuff? Or uh, I, I uh, Well, I played our college team at UC Santa Barbara, actually. Huh? Uh, we won the NC2A championships back in 1979 oh, and we were actually the first team ever to do that at UCSB. So yeah, we were kind of celebrities there for, for a bit. And I think cool. they've only, there's only been one other team, a soccer team that, that's won it since. Yeah. I never really thought, I mean, I, obviously I live in uh, Santa Barbara. I live in Montecito area mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we don't usually think of the UCSB as a big sports power, but I guess uh, that yeah. was a different, different time. So yeah, um, yeah, I mean that's that's great. So you you you're still doing uh, you're still keeping up with it a little bit? Yeah, and actually a lot of my teammates from that team we still uh play together on a masters level and we played in the we usually play in the national championships and the world championships for masters level and wow. And we've done pretty well. We've won we've won a bunch of championships over the years and That's uh, great. And and it's it's really fun to be able to play with friends of over 40 years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it, it's great fun. Good for you. Well, listen, uh, you know, I am uh, obviously since we last talked, um, this uh, 900 pound gorilla landed on, on the earth. 
Yeah. Uh, and um, started infecting everybody and created all these this craziness in the world that that mm. I think uh, some things that have been perhaps un- underappreciated in the mm. larger health um, discussion has been how this is affecting mental health. Uh, and, and I, and I'd love for you to, you know, kind of talk about that since, you know, you're on the front lines in that battle, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what are you seeing out there? And, and obviously, you know, you're getting more clients, the same clients who are now things that are getting worse. Talk about some of the common themes and problems that people are experiencing right now. Yeah, well, first of all, the the I guess the most pervasive thing is probably depression because uh, our mood system is designed to help us survive, and so when we get in a situation where we feel helpless or you know stuck and we can't get out of it, our mood system naturally and in a healthy way sort of drops down our energy, gets us to reflect and and kind of take stock and think, you know, is this the, is this the right path? You know, I've been, if you're grizzly bear and you've been hunting salmon in the river for four hours and you haven't caught anything, it's like, ah, maybe I'll go do something else. Yeah. So um, in a sense, this, you know, especially with the lockdown, and, but also because it's not something we have a lot of control over, um, it naturally, I think, drops a lot of our mood systems. Not everybody, but it, it's it's common for people's mood systems to go, huh, well, I guess I can't do that. I guess I can't do that either. Uh, maybe I'll rethink these things. So in a, in a very natural sort of healthy organismic way, it drops our mood system down. The problem is it's been going on for a long time now. And so it's been months and months and it takes a while for our mood system to drop us down. And then it takes a while for it to rev us back up again on the other side. So um, I think that's the most pervasive thing is I think a lot of people have a feeling like we're on pause right now around the world. Right. Um, And we kind of are. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to drill down a little bit on the, the idea of depression because, you know, I think it's probably a good idea for us to discuss that a little bit more mm-hmm. um, in the context of, you know, what exactly clinical depression is and mm-hmm. how it's different from just feeling uh, blue. And, and, and the reason I bring that up is because I think that, um, you know, obviously my own background as a physician um, you know, I view I view depression, the clinical depression, ultimately as a disease. In, in the mm-hmm. same way that you know, diabetes is a disease, and if it gets bad enough, uh, there are things that you can do about it. So I I would like I would think it would be a good idea. I think just as a sort of public service moment, mm-hmm. uh, to give it give give everyone an idea what exactly is clinical depression, and and, and you know when. At what point does it seem like, well, maybe you ought to see somebody or, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of flux right now in terms, in terms of diagnoses for, for mental health issues. And I, I suspect that 10 years from now, it may be a completely different 
framework for it. Maybe 20 years, I don't know. It, it, these things take time. But I, I, when I think of depression, the there there's severe depression where you really just stuck and 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 not able to function. Uh, and it makes sense to look at that as a disease, but a lot of the more recent research and sort of framing of that um, and understanding of that, it may not be, you know, it's not the same thing as diabetes because there are things that are somewhat predictable about what brings us down and, and what affects our mood system. And just practically speaking, you know, as a, as a clinician and a, a life coach that I'm always looking for, well, here's the situation. How do we, how do we make it better? You know, how do we improve it? And what I've found is that it's, it's most helpful to think of it as uh, kind of healthy functioning gone wrong, like almost like. But isn't you know, that disease, Joel? I'm sorry? Isn't that disease basically, healthy functioning well, gone I, wrong? It, it's maybe more like an allergy where our systems overreact to something mm. or, um, or there, there's certain things to watch out for. And if like, if I make sure I'm not stung by a bee, you know, as best as I can, then chances are I'll, I'll avoid that. Cause there, there are certain, certain things that, um, that make us more susceptible to depression. One is temperament. So if by temperament, we tend to be you know, sort of more anxious, more worried about stuff, more sensitive to stuff, we're, it doesn't mean we'll be depressed, but it's easier for us to get depressed than somebody else. Uh, if there's certain stressors that happen, and, and I'll go into that a little more, that can, that can knock us down. And like, like this COVID thing, that's a stressor, and it changes the external environment in a way that we can feel kind of helpless, and that can lead to a lower, lower mood. Um, so there, there's things that can set us up, and, and habits, sort of routines that disrupt our our natural flow. Like if your sleep is, if you have to work the, the graveyard shift, for example, or it mm-hmm. changes a lot. So you don't get a regular routine of night's sleep or you don't get physical activity. There are certain habits and routines that can make depression more likely or less likely. Um, so let me ask you this though. We've got a lot of people out there who are feeling blue yeah. At what point am I just feeling blue and what point is it depression and I should potentially look for some help? I think, I think with any, with any issue like that and, and, but let's stick with depression. If you're, if it's interfering with your functioning. So, I mean, we all have good days and bad days, you know, there, but most, most fluctuations in mood last about a day. So if you have a bad day, you're probably going to feel not very good that day. But the next day, you're probably actually going to feel a little better than than normal. Uh, our mood system bounces us back up unless there's something more chronic happening. So there are things like like loss is a is a big trigger for our mood system to drop us down because it change if we lose somebody dear to us. 
it changes the equation of our lives in a way that we really need to stop and take stock of things. Um, do you do you buy in sort of the DSM four criteria that kind of thing, or you do uh, sort of more gestalt feeling in the depression side? I think I, I find it more useful in in my work to think of it as a natural uh, <clears throat> biological process. So yeah. I mean, we have our our different systems. We have our sympathetic nervous system that kicks in if we're in danger, and I see our mood system as something that kicks in to. Uh, to make it more likely that we'll survive a situation that we maybe are stuck in. Uh, I'll I'll give you an example for uh, drug companies when they're looking for a a chemical to help uh, that might help depression. There's an experiment they do where they hang mice by their tails in a situation where they can't escape. So they're hanging there, and they struggle and they're running and they're trying to swing around and climb their tails or whatever they can do. After a couple of minutes of doing that, they relax and they just kind of give up and they might kick a little bit, but they just kind of give up because they, their mood system is seeing there's no way out. And so really the best survival strategy at that point is to just wait and see if things can improve we got a lot of mice hanging these days. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some are going to be able to handle that better than others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in the experiment, they, yeah, after a couple more minutes, they let them go and they're fine. Uh, But to see what chemical might be a good antidepressant, they see what can make the mice kick around longer. Well, is that actually helping depression because if the mice keep kicking for long enough, they could die from the stress of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not continuing to kick around when there's nothing you can actually do uh, is actually not a very good survival strategy. So a lot of times when we think of somebody that's depressed, we think, oh, they, they're just not motivated enough. You know, why don't they get out and do something? What's, what's wrong? When sometimes what's happened is they've persevered with something that they actually don't have, there's no hope of achieving it. So they're, they're, they're striving after a goal that they can't achieve. And it could be a real abstract goal, like, you know, why can't I make world peace happen? Sure. Um, and so that kind of helplessness can drop us down. If we talk about depression, uh, just in general psychiatric illness, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of people living together uh, mm-hmm. who normally don't uh, yeah. spend that much time together. And I'm hearing, uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot about a lot of divorces, a lot of longtime relationships falling apart. Mm-hmm. Is it is are you seeing that? Is this just and is this an accelerator because people um, are spending too much time together or? maybe to having too much time to think or what, what do you think that's all about? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, and that's very personal for some, for some people it's wonderful because they're, they have longed to have more time together. And for some people, I think a big problem is it disrupts the whole, the usual routine that's worked for people. So we all have our habits and our routines and for the most part they're functional and, and, you know, they, they feel good and we like them. Or that's why we do them. 
and they and can and they can mask things, right? I mean, if you have habits yes. and routines, we yeah. can mask a lot of uh, issues. Yeah. And and we all also find sort of an equilibrium in terms of how close or how distant we are from the people in our lives. I mean, we have, we have friends that we're really close to that we could spend tons of time with, and other friends. It's nice to see them every once in a while but you don't really want to spend all your time with them. And that whole equilibrium has been disrupted. So uh, like a lot of people are really missing getting together with friends that they, you know, used to spend more time with. Um, And then there's people that are stuck together in the same place that really that's, that's not the equilibrium they established that Mm -hmm. worked for them. And then there's more conflict, more, you know, arguments. Uh, um, so it's really a big disruption in the equilibrium. Um, and, and that can, I mean, that can make you have to face each other and, and deal with stuff if you're up for doing that. If you're, if you're up for becoming closer with it and understanding one another, and if you have sort of the, a sense of curiosity and kindness toward each other, that can actually really improve things. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it, it can also make it really difficult, too. You mentioned there's people who are actually thriving maybe during this time as well. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. What are you seeing? I mean, anecdotally, like, who's who's yeah. actually, like, seeing this time as, wow, this is awesome, <laughs> It's <laughs> that more pandemic. You know? I don't know if I've heard anyone thinking it was awesome. Right. Uh, that yeah. might be a little stretch, but, but there are people that are rolling with it better than others. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, I do most of my work uh, from my home office. I, I work with people by phone or Skype or Zoom all over the place. So in ways it hasn't disrupted my, my work life, uh, though I do – also do consulting where I travel. So I haven't been able to do that part. Uh, So I guess people where it hasn't disrupted the routine very much, or I think if people are naturally more, um, more introverted and they Mm -hmm. like to stay at home or they like to stay at home with their mate and just them, it's probably feels like this is pretty good life. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of how I wanted it. (laughs) Yeah. So let me ask you this, in terms of, you know, this is a really unique time in history. Um, But, you know, obviously you've been doing this stuff for a while now. Tell me how this kind of trauma is different than, say, the trauma of, you know, 9-11 and how that affects people. What's the difference? I mean, because both are bad. Yeah. Both have the, but, but what are the similarities and differences between that kind of trauma and this kind of, this kind of trauma? Well, I think something like nine 11 or an, an accident, something that's a, an acute thing. It, it's very, uh, it's very disruptive in a very big way all of a sudden. And that can kind of shatter our normal way of being. Uh, and, and so the quickness of it, it's kind of like if you lose somebody all of a sudden that you weren't ready for, it, it can be different than somebody that's, you know, maybe a loved one that's in their 90s that passed away and, and you're kind of ready for it. Um, this 
I think can be traumatic in that it, it, it is changing our routines. And so for some people that will feel like a shattering of their routines. If, if they're, if someone's been fired from their job or their business goes under, I mean, I've seen all kinds of businesses around town that have closed and closed for good. That's, that's a, that shattered somebody's life's work maybe, Mm -hmm. or at least work that for a couple of years took them to get to that point. And that's, that's a very acute trauma as well. And with any kind of trauma, the, the goal is, first of all, you want to be able to kind of reestablish a sense of connection with people. Because part of what happens with us in trauma is we get stuck in sort of our sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. fight or flight, or if it's too acute, we can go into freezing, uh, which is kind of like, you know, when you see animals that are caught by a predator. And there can be echoes of that that linger because of our big complex brains that make stories around them. Um, so there's the acute part of the trauma where we want to be able to relax out of our emergency nervous system, just as a shorthand, into our higher brain function and our capacity to connect with other, other human beings. But longer term, there's also a process of integrating what happened so that you can grow from it. Because there is, there is a... a something called post-traumatic growth that's been studied a lot more the last several years. And it's not by any stretch that we want to deliberately traumatize ourselves. So we'll grow. It's not, it's not a technique for, for good effective growth, but when it happens, it's possible to grow from it, to integrate it, to find meaning in what happened and to find, you know, maybe what do you understand now that you didn't before? And how can that help you move into the future? Um, as we sort of come out of this, so you see um, an opportunity for a lot of growth, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and again, not to make, yeah. I'm not trying to paint a rosy picture of this. This is not a good thing. Well, I happening. mean, it's kind of like, you know, the idea of intermittent fasting. Uh-huh. You know? The idea is you fast and your body thinks you're, you know, and it it starts getting rid of old worn out cells and then new cells grow. I mean, that's the idea behind intermittent fasting. Sort of similar to that, a little bit of trauma, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, As we come, so so what are some of the, you know, obviously what you uh, have really, what we, we talked about last time is, you know, um, is, is about happiness and, and the, the issues revolving around that and fulfillment. And what are some of the things that we can do right now in general to combat the negative aspects of what's going on in our lives and around us? Mm. And, uh, you know, trying to, in general, I mean, if there's just like a few tools mm-hmm. uh, that you have in mind just for people to, to give, a, give a go, because it, 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 it sucks. Yeah, it really does. It really does suck. Yeah. That, that's a good, yeah. good clinical that's, description. That's my clinical description. That's my yeah. uh, medical diagnosis there. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think the best thing we can do with this is, is look, 
look at how can we lean into our future from this? Because this is going to pass. I mean, the infection rate's already going down and the, 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 the at some point this is going to run its course. There'll be a vaccine or not. There'll be treatments or not, but it's going to run its course. This isn't how it's going to be forever and always. And so if there's a way you can sort of think about where you want to go as, as we exit this, this pandemic uh, and what you can do now to sort of prepare yourself to lean into that, because there'll be, I, I suspect, you know, coming out of this, first of all, I think a lot of us are going to feel very grateful for a lot of things we've taken totally for granted, like seeing a friend and giving him a hug <laughs> You know, or going to a restaurant and, and sitting down, you know, just, just things that are, that were regular day-to-day things. We're going to feel so much more gratitude for those as we begin to enjoy them. So that can be a tremendous expansive feeling. So looking for those things, but also looking for what do you want to create going forward? Things have shifted. So there's probably going to be a lot more online work. There's probably going to be less, you know, going, going to the office for, for a meeting when it's not necessary, uh, going when it is necessary. But I think, I think there's going to be a lot of shifts that would have otherwise taken a long time. I I think this sort of bumped us into some, some sort of, uh, sudden changes that were a long time coming. And so if you can anticipate those kind of things and lean into them and think, what can I do now to prepare myself as things open up? I think that's the best use of this time right now. You can use it as a very creative sort of introspective time to think, okay, what can I create now? How can I prepare myself now for when it does open up? Uh, Most of our emotions are actually future-oriented, so it's like something's painful now. How can I how can I stop this pain from continually happening in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think of it that way, uh, I think leaning in is is the way to go. So Joel, um, tell us a little bit about your practice. I know a, a number of people uh, within our network and community are. are Clients of yours, tell us about how it works. Um, you know who who your typical client is, what kinds of things you work on, because you're not just doing negative psychology, as we would say, like rehabilitative, mm-hmm. but also positive psychology. Maybe you talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, my my focus is whatever the circumstances are of anyone's given life, and it's going to be different for everyone. How can you make the best life out of that? So I. I I'm very much grounded in what's real for you now. What's you have to have reality be your friend in order to be effective in in terms of growing. And, and so making a good life in part means being happy about your life and, and happiness. I don't mean like I'm happy because I got everything I wanted today, but if you're living in a way that you feel happy about how you're living, so you're living with integrity with your values. You're, uh, you're feeling grateful for the things that you have and focusing on what you have and not what you don't have. Um, and uh, 
thinking how you can be effective and expressing your values in the world positively. Uh, that's going to lead to what uh, more what Aristotle talked about when he used the word eudaimonia, which is sort of success at being human. So that's what I mean by happiness, is really making a life that you can feel happy about and proud of. And that's what my practice is about. And, and that includes all the rough spots. Right, <laughs> you know, right. it doesn't mean everything's wonderful all the time. But when you hit a rough spot, how do you manage it well? How do you, how do you deal with it in a, way, in a way you can feel proud of tomorrow? Right. And I work with people all around the world and uh, doing by Skype or Zoom or, or by phone and uh, uh, really with lots of different issues. Um, there are limitations in terms of, of you know, um, there are certain people that really need uh, in-depth psychotherapy that in-person work is really appropriate to. So there's some limitations with that. I'm not going to make diagnoses and, and treat people in the same way, uh, which is why I work more as a coach and frame it that way. Right. And what's the, uh, remind us the website. It's uh, drjoelwade.com. So D-R-J-O-E-L-W-A-D-E.com. The information's there. I want to thank you for being uh, on the show again, and hopefully we can get you uh, on once this is over to talk about how, you know, the post-COVID party uh, yeah. has, uh, has influenced people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, that would be wonderful. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And again, you know, going back to this idea that, you know, wealth is holistic in the wealth formula. We cover it all. Um, this uh, this show to, to me is uh, a value, I think, because, again, you know, when I put out these shows, um, what I try to do is I ask myself the question, you know, is this topic of interest to my listener? And, you know, I have got this sort of, uh, avatar, this person who uh, who I think sort of um, describes my typical listener, and I think about it and I say, okay, yeah, this is an interesting topic. This is not an interesting topic. You know, give me, a, I'll give you an example. Uh, does it does it ha- uh, you know is it interesting to my typical listener to learn about the nuances of a cost segregation analysis? Probably not. You know. Generally, we're interested in bigger picture. We're interested in, you know, uh, paradigms and potentially passive investing opportunities, et cetera, stuff like that. Um, but are we interested in things that involve our personal health? Are we involved with things that can better us on a daily basis? Well, yeah, um, the avatar does listen to those things with great interest. And, and so for me, uh, this conversation with Joel was definitely something that I feel like uh, we need a little bit more of in this space. So hopefully you enjoyed it. I uh, would love your feedback. Uh, this is uh, Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. 
Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.